Thanks for listening to another episode of the M121 podcast. Today we're going to end up our summer sermon series with a sermon entitled Of the Elect and Unbelievers from Lonnie Mazingo Jr. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. In two weeks, we'll release another conversation. This time it's on the Trinity with Pastor Ben Winslet of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church. I really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you'll tune in in two weeks for the release of that episode. There'll be more content coming your way after that. As always, God bless you, and I hope you have a great week. One of the greatest blessings the child of God can experience in this world is to hear and believe the gospel. Jesus Christ and the apostles all cite it as evidence of being a child of God. In John chapter 5, verse 24, the Lord said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus said, Verily, verily, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, he's already got it, he's already in possession of it, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. In other words, he will not go to hell, shall not come into condemnation, but is past, he's already passed, is past, not going to pass in the process of passing, but is already passed from death unto life. Paul, the apostle, said, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. And ye received the gospel in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And became followers of us and of the Lord. And you sounded out the word. And you turned from idols to serve the true and living God. To wait for his son from heaven. Paul said, I know your election of God because our gospel came not unto you in word only. The gospel comes to the non-elect in word only. They hear what's said, but it means nothing to them. But Paul said, our gospel came not to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And much more so, the evidence that they were God's elect is that they received the word. Only a child of God can receive the word. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. For they are foolishness unto him, because they are spiritually discerned. Since they're spiritually discerned, and a man that is natural is not spiritual, he doesn't have the ability to discern a spiritual message, the gospel. So the fact that they received the gospel, the word, when it was preached in power to them, is evidence they're God's elect, because if they hadn't been, they couldn't have received it. The Apostle John said, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. The Apostle John says, He that is of God heareth us. The obvious conclusion is, you couldn't hear if you were not of God. Jesus says, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Jesus said to those Pharisees, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. They could not because they didn't have the ability to receive it. Note that in each of those three instances, in John chapter 5, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
And in John's Gospel, 1 John 4, 6, in each of those three instances, hearing the Gospel and believing it is the evidence and not the means of one being a child of God. Indeed, each one of those three statements teaches that one must already possess everlasting life in order for him to be able to hear and believe the Gospel. You must already have everlasting life in order to be able to hear the Gospel and believe it. In all three instances that we cited, in 1 John 4, in John chapter 5, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in those three verses that we cited, each and every one of those teaches that a person must first be in possession of eternal life or they cannot hear and believe the gospel. The gospel, the spoken word of God, manifests who is a child of God. If we go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul teaches us that the gospel manifests who God's people are. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul said we are saved how? God has saved us and called us how? God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. The calling of Christ's voice, the Holy Spirit, regeneration. That's how you're saved, with a holy calling, the holy calling of God. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. He says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Salvation was given to us in Christ Jesus. Christ stood as our representative. Before the world began, we weren't there. We weren't saved before the world began. It was given to us in Christ before the world began. And so he says, He saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, His resurrection from the dead abolished death, and hath brought life, and immortality to light through the gospel. Does the gospel bring life? Does the gospel bring life? Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying he, the gospel brings life to light. It brings to light the life that is already there by grace. If the life wasn't already there, the gospel wouldn't bring it to light. It has to be there before the gospel can bring it to light. The gospel manifests what God has already done in the heart. In all three instances, as we said, those verses manifest that one must possess eternal life before they can hear and believe the gospel. The means by which one becomes a possessor of everlasting life is by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit, immediate Holy Spirit regeneration, which is characterized by the Savior as the voice of the Son of God. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Paul said to the young minister Titus, After that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. 
The voice of the Son of God, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, immediate Holy Spirit regeneration, those are all synonymous phrases and terms. They mean the same thing. Simply put, the dead sinner must hear the voice of the Son of God before he can hear the voice of the preacher. That's just a simple way to say it. A person must hear, first hear the voice of the Son of God before he can hear the voice of the preacher. Therefore, one who hears the voice of the preacher shows evidence that he has already heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing to receive the assurance of being born again by hearing and believing the gospel. It's a wonderful experience to be saved from the bondage of false doctrine to the knowledge of the truth, for the truth to set you free when you hear the gospel and believe it and are assured that I'm a child of God. It's a wonderful blessing. There's nothing that will thrill you more. There's nothing that will bring more joy to your life than whenever a preacher's up preaching and you say, I believe that. I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven. Jesus died for me. The preacher said that uh, sinners are bankrupt. I qualify. The preacher said that Jesus died for bankrupt sinners. I qualify. The Bible says, uh, the preacher says that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. I qualify. I believe I'm one of the elect. Boy, when the preacher convinces you that you're one of the elect, that's shouting ground. It's a wonderful experience. I live my life to tell people about Jesus Christ, to preach the gospel. And there's no greater joy in my life than to see somebody who I can tell by the countenance on their face and by what they say back to me, they believe what I preach to them and the joy it brings to their life and the freedom it brings. I, I've heard people talk about whenever they learned that salvation was by grace, how it freed them from years of bondage. Worrying about their loved ones dying and going to hell. Worrying about people dying and going to hell. Driving buses up and down the road trying to pick up people to save them. All the bondage they were under, they were freed from that. It was a wonderful experience. I remember whenever I came to the knowledge of the truth, I'd been through long years of deep darkness because of the burden that I carried over the guilt of my sins. And when I came to the knowledge of the truth, I was blessed to confess Jesus Christ before the Lord and say, He's my only hope. Oh, the freedom and liberty that I experienced that day is indescribable. I could spend the rest of my life telling you about that glorious day when I came to the knowledge of the truth that Jesus paid it all, that He was the end of the law for righteousness. All the righteousness that I lacked, He was the end of the law for righteousness. He fulfilled it. He was my righteousness. Or I had none at all. That if He died for me on the cross, all the devils of hell couldn't keep me out of heaven. And so I just confessed to the Lord. I said, Lord, it's all in Your hands. Lord, I have no hope except that Your Son died for me. And that day I was set free from years of bondage. It's a wonderful experience. It's a glorious thing to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, how happy that day. Elder Mon sees the first pastor of this church and the one who constituted it along with several brethren and sisters wrote the song, Oh, how happy are they who their Savior obey and whose treasures are laid up above. Tongue can never express the sweet comfort and peace of a soul in its earliest love. In that time of first love when the child of God sees Jesus Christ as his hope of salvation for the first time, it's the most glorious thing that a child of God can experience in this life. Oh, what joy! The only thing that excels the joy of coming to the knowledge of the truth is the new birth that preceded it.
When a person is born again in the Spirit of God and freed from the bondage of sin, delivered from the guilt of their sins, oh, that is, the, that is life. But oh, when life comes to light, when the gospel shines upon the soul of a child of God and the child of God, though brokenhearted, receiving the gospel in much affliction, has the joy of the Holy Ghost. You remember that, that great day whenever it just clicked in your head that what the preacher was saying was true? You remember that glorious day whenever you said, I understand. I see what he's saying. I understand it now. I see salvation is by grace. Oh, what a great day that is. Jesus Christ saved us people. He's not trying to save them in the process of saving them. He saved them from their sins. Oh, how happy are they when they hear that wonderful news and believe it. But sadly, there are some who go beyond that great truth and teach that not only is hearing and believing the gospel a great blessing for the child of God, it is the necessary evidence a child of God must possess. Going so far as to say, the Bible offers no assurance for the unbeliever. This, of course, makes hearing and believing the gospel the litmus test for being a child of God. Tragically, this teaching robs God's people of their hope for people they know, loved ones they know, and millions around the world who have never heard, much less believed, the gospel. Thankfully, the Word of God will not support such an extreme position. In the same chapter 5 of John's Gospel, our Savior tells us the evidence of grace He will cite on Resurrection Day. He says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. That's John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Notice that the Savior did not say, They that have heard and believed the gospel shall come forth to the resurrection of life, although all of those people are surely part of the number that will come forth to the resurrection of life. You can rest assured that every person that ever heard and believed the gospel is part of the number going to heaven. Because you could, they could not have heard it and believed it had they not been born again, washed in the blood of Christ. But that's not what the Lord cited. The Lord cited as the evidence of grace... On Resurrection Day, they that have done good. He does not say, they that have heard and believed the gospel, although that's part of the number. But he says, but rather he says, they that have done good. Again, in Matthew chapter 25, the great shepherd of the sheep separates his sheep from the goats on Resurrection Day. Whenever on that day... He is indicating who the sheep are and who are not the sheep, but rather goats. He shall separate his sheep, his people, his elect, from the goats, those that are not his people, the non-elect, the wicked. Whenever he makes the distinction and lists what the evidence that they are, the elect, is, he says, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For why I was in hungered, and you gave me meat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. That's verses 33 through 36 of Matthew 25. Note that he does not say to his sheep, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when the gospel was preached unto you, you believed it. Although all those people are surely God's sheep. A person who hears and believes the gospel is, a, is one of God's sheep. But that's not the evidence the Lord cites. The evidence the Lord cites on Resurrection Day is not a positive response of the gospel, but rather good works born of love. So it is with the Apostle Paul, though he cites a positive response of the gospel as evidence of grace, he does not make it the litmus test of who is and who is not a child of God. As a matter of fact, he even gives hope for those who are enemies of the gospel, stating in Romans chapter 11, verse 28, that as touching the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. I've had people bend over backwards and, and twist themselves into a pretzel, trying to prove to me that that doesn't mean anything other than they were just people we love. Doesn't mean they're children of God. That verse says they are beloved. They are beloved people. They're beloved by God and they're beloved by God's people. And yet they're enemies of the gospel. If the hearing and believing the gospel is the litmus test, how can that possibly be? Even the beloved John, who so forcefully states, He that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us, goes on to say later, in a few verses later, Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Look carefully at that verse. John did not say, He that does not hear us is not of God. John said, He that is not of God heareth not us. John is teaching that the non-elect does not hear or believe the gospel. But he is not saying that every elect person will hear and believe, and if someone doesn't hear and believe, he is surely not a child of God and has no right to be assured of being a child of God. In other words, he does not make hearing and believing the gospel the litmus test, excluding all assurance to those who have not heard or who have not believed. The certain evidence John cites is everyone that loveth. He even says in the third chapter, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. The litmus test is, is not hearing and believing the gospel. That manifests who a child of God is if a person hears it and believes it, but it's not the litmus test to say that if somebody doesn't hear it and somebody doesn't believe it, that automatically means they're not a child of God. The litmus test is love and hate. There are multitudes of God's children who have never heard the gospel, but have the love of God in their hearts, and as Paul said, do by nature the things contained in the law which show the work of the law written in their hearts. There are even those of God's children who, having been deceived by false teachers, do not believe when they hear the gospel, they don't believe it. They've been deceived by false teachers. Even as Paul said, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Yes, believing the gospel is a wonderful evidence of grace, but it is not the litmus test of who is and who is not a child of God. That test is love. What shall we say then? Shall we give hope and assurance to every Christ-denying mullah because he has warm, fuzzy feelings for his pet camel? God forbid.
God forbid that we would stand up and say, well, this man denies Christ, encourages terrorism, Christ-denying mullah, who encourages people to blow other people up, but he loves his pet camel, so he must really be a child of God deep down inside. God forbid. But neither do we take away hope for the little trembling child of God smothering under the burqa she is forced to wear as she goes about feeding those among her that are hungry, giving them drink, and doing works of righteousness. Visiting those that are sick. You see, she doesn't have the gospel in her head, but she's got the love of God in her heart. Praise God that though she may never hear a gospel sermon or being so brainwashed by false teachers, when she does hear it and not believe it, she still has heard the voice of the Son of God by grace and carries the love of God in her heart. Do we give hope to every Christ-heading, creation-denying infidel that teaches evolution to our children just because he has affection for his cat? God forbid. But neither do we rob the little child of God in the back of the classroom who has his faith overthrown by philosophy and vain deceit. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18 says, There were two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who had taught that the resurrection was past already and overthrew the faith of some. Some of the people that heard them preach the resurrection was past already had their faith overthrown. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, says Paul, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Isn't that wonderful? That even though a person may have their faith overthrown, they don't believe, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. He knows them that are his. If your child comes in every day and says, Hey, Mom, I love you. Hey, Dad, I love you. Somebody says, Who is your dad? And they say, Well, my dad's name is such and such and such and such. But what if your child was in an automobile accident and had a head injury and he couldn't remember anything? And so, whenever that child looked at you and didn't even recognize you, doesn't even know who you are. Child no longer knows who you are, what your name is, even that it's your child. So they look at you with a blank stare. Who are you? Does that child cease to be your child because that child no longer believes you're its daddy? That child can no longer recognize you. That child can no longer call your name. Child no longer knows that it's your child. Does that child cease to be your child because the child doesn't believe Anymore? Does the child cease to be your child because it thinks it's not really your child? No, the relationship doesn't depend on the knowledge of the child, does it? Does it depend on what the child believes? Does it depend on whether or not the child recognizes you or doesn't recognize you? That's not the litmus test, is it? The litmus test is a biological relationship, is it not? I'm not saying that this Christ-denying, creation-denying, God-hating infidel standing up in the classroom teaching evolution to your children. He's a child of God because he loves his cats. But at the same time, I'm not going to rob that little trembling child of God in the back of the room that's been deceived by him. I'm not going to tell his parents, well, your child's a false professor and not really a child of God because he believes what that professor says. Just because somebody's been deceived doesn't mean they're no longer a child of God. No matter what men may say, salvation is still by grace. Eternal salvation is not just for the spiritually fittest. It is also for the poor, 
the outcast, and the destitute. No matter what men may say, salvation is still by grace. The scriptures do teach that though it is impossible to hear and believe the gospel without love in the heart, it is possible to have love in the heart without hearing and believing the gospel. Do you listen to Grace Alone Radio Network? Grace Alone Radio streams the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Each day on Grace Alone Radio, you will hear Bible teaching from primitive Baptist ministers, encouraging a cappella hymns, and edifying passages from the King James Bible. Discover how you might access our programming at gracealoneradio.net.